Welcome to the very first episode of the Great Bass Tennis Podcast. I'm Andy Fitzell alongside Steve Smith, and in this episode, we will give you a brief introduction to the Great Bass, a little bit of the history behind it. So thanks so much for listening, and now let's get into the show. Yeah, one, uh, everyone, thank you for listening. I'd like to thank Andy and his wife have been here the last six months and made a lot of progress. Uh, we have a new website, uh, Instagram. Yeah. Podcast room. <laughs> I like the sign. The sign reminds me of my mother's hometown. Yeah. It could say Utica Club. That's where the real people are from, Utica, New York. Yeah, if you're, you're just listening at home, you got to check out our YouTube channel so you can check out the sign. Well, the other thing Had some is fun that with it. while we're starting with this microphone here, it reminds me, I know you're a big movie buff. Yep. Rambo 2. Yes. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Murdoch, I'm coming to get you. One of the best movies ever. For intellectuals. And some of the young people probably don't know, but yeah, you have to be a real deep thinker to watch the Rambo series. Yeah. That was Rambo First Blood Part 2. And Rambo and Rocky. They're cousins. <laughs> <laughs> they sound the same. Exactly. What do you got? Yeah, but with that sign, with the um, the logo, I had a, one, of, one of our coach friends a couple of weeks back, he wrote in and he said, man, I finally just realized that, that the logo is actually part of a tennis court. Well, your friend, uh, Cade Garrett. Cade, Cade Garrett, yeah, Unicity Design, shout out. Yeah, you had me talk to him on the phone and I talked to him about uh, building blocks. That's how you really have to start, just like math. You've got to be able to count. Yep. Before you can add, <laughs> add before you can subtract. Mm -hmm. and that logic should really help in tennis teaching. So it's the building blocks. It's also the three zones of the court, red, yellow, green. Uh, most importantly is the base, the largest piece of the building blocks. And blue represents truth. Yeah. Fact-based instruction for long-term development. Yep. So there is a story behind the logo. Yeah. And Kay was a tennis player too, so he understood what we were yeah, the building what we blocks. What are getting after? And, um, the Great Base. Like, we can talk a little bit about the name, the Great Base. Yeah, where did that name come from? Well, you know, talk about the history of the Great Base. It goes back to 1981 for me. I really think about it, but there's even then I talk about the stay on that mic, Rambo. Episode episode number one. Got to kiss. Got to kiss that mic. Got to be close to the mic. <laughs> uh, the um, the name, the history, but the name. We haven't always called our curriculum the Great Base. The United States Tennis Association, governing body of tennis in America, started calling the Early Childhood Development Program Quick Start. Right. So I was writing for Lifetime Tennis, a magazine now that's no longer in existence, defunct. But... It was distributed out through Canada, and Richard Hernandez is a longtime friend, associate, mm -hmm. going way back. Um, we studied tennis together. I was the teacher, and he was the student. Mm -hmm. But I, so Richard read the article the title. It's not a quick start; it's the right start. I mean, you can't microwave tennis. Right. It's, it's not instant coffee. <laughs> so um, he said in the conversation, "Tennis needs a great base initiative." Let's just say that again. I him say it three times. Tennis needs a great base initiative. And from that point forth, we started calling our program, the curriculum we've assembled, the information, ideas, insights, the great base. And the, the thought is, you know, who can argue with a great base? A yeah. mathematician, a musician, 
every discipline starts with a great base. Yeah. Yeah, I know we, we talk about how it's a system of systems. And I really like that because we always say that a system is an organized plan. And, you know, just like the alphabet system, the numeric system with mathematics, you got to build up, but, but it's an organized plan. And, and I think, you know, you, you said people can't argue with having a great base, but also you can't really argue with having a, a developmental plan, a systematic plan for improvement. And so, you know, a system, some people, some, oh, they, you know, freak out about a system as a one way or whatever, but, but really just base, basic oh, fundamentals. A, a system to explain the parts of the racket, a system to explain the grips, right. a, a system to feed, a system to videotape. Yeah. It's kind of like the NFL. Um, it's systematic. Yeah. We're going to work together. We're going to be a team. The offense has to understand the defense and yeah. organize. Working on this together. A blend of methods. Basically, um, it's really a matter of studying methodologies and studying tennis teaching masters. Yeah, and I know, I mean, not to toot your horn, but, but um, you know, for me personally, one of the reasons why I wanted to move here, last four years I was in Germany with my wife, and um, but, but to work with you because of your history that you have with some of those master teachers. So maybe you could talk about some of those people that you've had one-on-one -on -one experience with, not just read the book. To digress. <laughs> Andy met his wife. We were running, Andy, Andy and I, we were running a tennis camp in Germany. Uh, Dusseldorf, yeah. David Squire, Australian coach who lives in Dusseldorf. Mark Hammond, American coach who's in Berlin. They helped us put it together. We had 25 kids from nine countries. And that's where you met your wife. Yeah, sleeping on a uh, blow-up mattress from... Yeah, it's interesting. You know, you uh, tell people we're going to have a tennis camp and where they were going to stay, where you cut, you cut out the hotel expense yeah, and you get an air mattress and the boys go to the left, the girls go to the right and they sleep on air mattresses. Yeah. Uh, on but, the carpet cords is actually really fun. But if people spend a lot of time in Europe, it's quite common in the summertime where a European kid gets on a train, goes to a nearby city and mm -hmm. stays at the tennis club, just brings a sleeping bag. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was a, yep. Didn't expect it to happen, but. Um, yeah, with uh, I grew up in a hockey household right next to the Canadian border on the American side. Father was a civil engineer, but he was a student of hockey. We were all students of hockey <laughs> from a large family. I think you certainly have the opportunity to learn more lessons if you're from a large family. Mm. But my oldest brother, he was getting his PhD in Russian studies along the time, 1972. It was actually before that, but shortly after, um, within the seventies, he started studying Russian hockey. And I mean, I don't, we, I think we should get into the, the, the tennis teaching masters you asked about, but, um, so that's what my, my journey was. Okay. My older brother said, whatever you do, try to surround yourself by people who know a lot more than you do. And that's what I did. Um, so yeah, systematic hockey, now hockey systems. Now you're hanging out with me. Yeah. <laughs> you don't like hockey. <laughs> I do like hockey. I do like hockey. Hockey. Did you grow up did you grow up saying A a lot? Well, I used to wish I was Canadian, so yeah, yeah I said it a lot. You said, hey, hey. The reason I wish I was Canadian is that uh, college hockey was just I mean, the Americans until the until the uh, US Olympics a lot of Canadian kids who play American college hockey that weren't given a look, but also mm. 
a lot of Americans weren't given a look. In fact, I have a name tag with my name on it. It's framed. It's in a glass frame. My sister-in-law gave it to me because I went out for a college hockey team. I made it, but all the name tags were already ordered from the Canadians trying out for the team. (laughs) But one of my other brothers, he had played on the team and with a last name like Smith. So I was fortunate (laughs) to have a a name tag when I made the team. (laughs) But no, I, you know, 15 years of hockey, I mean, it's, it's very much part of what I do, but the tennis side, um, opportunity when luck and preparation meet. I used to hit balls with the late Eugene Allen. He was the president of the board of trustees at Tyler Junior College. And I I hit balls with him selfishly in one sense because when you're a young tennis teacher and you're in your 20s, people just ask you, how good are you? Yeah. And you go out, you want to play anybody and everybody. And, but he knew I, that I had, you know, gone to great length studying tennis. So, he had set up a program for dental hygienists and he gave me the opportunity to revise a, an academic a curriculum, a comprehensive curriculum for tennis teaching pro managers. So that happened when I was 26 years old. So I, um, I was working with Vic Braden in California at the time. And I had made arrangements to go to Europe. I would have worked in uh, Marbella, Spain in the winter in Reitenwinkel, West Germany at that pretty time good. in the summer. Pretty good accent. But the, um, <laughs> but so I had a clause. If, if, if Eugene Allen had made it happen for me to go to Tyler, Texas, I did, I would, I did. And I'm 26 years old. I show mm-hmm. up, I've got two shoulder bags and I, one, the one thing, and that's really where the Great Base started. It wasn't called the Great Base, but in 1981, I had already been trained by Dennis Vandermeer, Welby Van Horn, and Vic Braden. Yeah. And I, I spent years with, with all three of them, but through Dennis, you know, we were fortunate to have Jim Verdick with team teaching, team coaching, James Lair with the, the sports psychology, mm-hmm. um, with, um, Actually, with uh, Welby Van Horn, I worked for a company that was founded by Nick Balteri, All American Sports. And I was transferred from a junior camp to an adult camp. And it was at a week in Stowe, Vermont, where there was a pro tournament. Mm-hmm. And Joe Brandy, who coached Sampras when he won his first uh, Grand Slam, he was there and his younger brother, Andy Brandy. And so we we're all in our earlier mid 20s. Andy and I were, he's two years older than I am. And he kept telling me, Welby Van Horn is the best. Welby Van Horn is the best. <laughs> so by that time, I was asked to be a director for all American sports in the summertime. And I did that. But then afterwards, and at that time, my father was saying, I'm the youngest of six. My youngest is the smartest. He's spending the winters in Florida <laughs> and the summers in New England. But I remember telling my father, I'm going to go work for Welby. And I was paid very little. And then I'm going to go work for this guy by the name of Vic Braden for free. I'm going to be a volunteer. And, you know, that's not gainfully employed. <laughs> um, but Andy hooked me up to work for Welby. And then also through that, uh, you know, a number of our students did uh, internships with Harry Hopman. I didn't directly uh, work with Harry Hopman, but he certainly opened his doors and, all the people used to call me, it used to kind of stop my tracks when Harry Hopman would call. 
And then with Vic, um, Vic became a big fan of Bill Jacobson with statistics. Mm-hmm. Um, and then lastly, one of the eight pillars we mentioned is Peter Burwash. Peter, um, a Canadian, grew up playing ice hockey, but also he was the number one player in Canada one time. He was the first name pro, called me up, came on his own nickel, and that really got the ball rolling. So we ended up having a lot of visitors. We had one every month. And I lived in uh, this town, college town, a nice place, Tyler, Texas, from 81 to 91. But that's where I would say that's where the great base um, really started because I had this opportunity to train tennis teachers, train juniors. Yeah. You know, we ran down the, the campus clinic. Uh, it's like it was like a dollar clinic, dollar, dollar, dollar a day, yeah. a dollar, dollar a time. So, um, yeah, we, we could talk about those, those three, but, um, if I just went through the eight, I would say the three are very much like for me, the Christmas tree and everything. The others are like a very, very important decoration. Yeah. Ornament. Yeah, but Vic is the stand. Vic Braden's a stand because, you know, just like the logo blue fact-based instruction. Yeah. You know, don't tell me what you think. Tell me what you know. Yeah. He did all the research. Yeah. It, for a lot of it. Yeah. And, you know, he's a pioneer. You know, by, and I know you spent so much time with Vic. Um, I tell people that you spent more time with Vic than anybody, but his wife, his widow, Melody, the last 10 years of his life. But yeah, um, he was very misinterpreted. When I worked for Vic, I mean, he was on Hollywood Squares. I mean, he was <laughs> on talk shows. He was a superstar, rock yeah. star. Yeah. The, um, but I think that's a sad, sad note with tennis teaching is there's, there's not enough appreciation for tennis teachers that have gone before us. Yeah, you got to know the history. I mean, I think the coolest part, we'll have to go in on another episode with, with your experience in, in Tyler at such a young age, tennis tech. But that was the first program of its kind, really, for tennis teachers. And now there are there are several, but that was the first one ever, really. Yeah, we Americans have to be careful. It's like I lived in Tampa for 15 years, and we're the lightning capital of the world. But actually, Cairo, Egypt has more lightning than Tampa. <laughs> so for us to say we were, were the only tennis teaching program in the world... Uh, we certainly were in in, in North America, um, but that, I think that's a sad another sad note that certification doesn't mean education. I tell people in this country, um, you can't really be opinionated and, and be negative towards the governing bodies of tennis unless you're part of the governing bodies of tennis, like the USPTA, the mm. PTR. I've been a member of those organizations for. You know, I'd say one uh, forty-two years, and on the other, I'm guessing uh, thirty-nine years. Gosh, you're old. But I was a tester, uh, <laughs> best by test. So, um, well, you you worked with some of the students that I trained. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I started tennis. I was probably ten, eleven. But when we, we my family, we we moved back to California. I was from from California originally. We moved back to the Mission Viejo area, Orange County, yeah. and just really out of out of luck. My mom would say heavenly choreography, but we ended up um, out in Cota de Casa just kind of checking it out, and Steve Campbell, who was a student yeah. of yours, was my first coach at the Vic Braden Tennis College, and we didn't have a lot of money for, for tennis. I always had the shoes with with the socks flying out of the shoe toe, go. you know, with shoe go for, for a month. Um, so funny to think about that, but... Uh, no, I was really lucky. They they gave me a work scholarship so I could do odd jobs around the facility and and get to hang out with Vic. I remember organizing his film room. This is when I was thirteen, 
And uh, I, I could do group lessons for twice a week and, and then play there as much as I wanted. So I really spent a lot of time there just, just kind of hanging out like a gym rat and got to experience there. And then, and then later on went to, to train at his facility in Southern Utah. We moved back there and then started teaching in my early 20s and, and was with him you know, those last 10 years doing all kinds of projects, research. And I was really, really fortunate just to shadow Vic. I like to tell people I have total, total recall. I recall totally what I want to. <laughs> um, so in Southern Utah, Jennifer Roberts, um, yep. Dave Nostrand, yeah, so Mark D- Jakes. Yeah. I mean, Dave, so Dave was there and it's kind of the same situation. He, he gave me a, a scholarship where I could just go there and, you know, get up early in the morning and blow the tennis courts off and fill the water jugs and the cups up. And, you know, I was a senior in high school and was able to train there, just use the facility, use the ball machine. And uh, so I was able to get those reps in. So Dave, Dave was really my first, you know, mentor, Al Tomlinson. I haven't heard from him. I hope he's still, still alive and kicking. He was a coach of mine there and a great guy. And, uh, but you know, he was my first real mentor into the information. And that's where I got to know about you because he had all the tennis tech material. So I knew of you, but, but, uh, hadn't spent time with you, but the first time I did, it was, it was a cool experience because coming from Vic, you know, he's such a nice guy and really, you know, just was concerned about people's feelings and how the brain worked. And then I came to visit you and it was like, oh, okay. (laughs) I was very flattered. (laughs) I flattered when Vic would say that, Steve, we need to work together. Um, And I said, uh, oh, that's very flattering. He was talking about brain types. Mm -hmm. I said, no, what we need to do is work together. You go forward with a flashlight, make all these discoveries. And I'll walk backwards and hit people over the head with a club. <laughs> exactly. No, for me, it was really, you know, refreshing to go, okay, from this end of the spectrum and then to the other end of the spectrum where it was like, you know, some real coaching that the way you speak to players is not always seen at, at your day-to-day day country club. Um, and I think, you know, obviously your hockey background and, and it's honesty because... Yeah, I'm from the 60s. So if, if you dropped a ball, I tell a story about I was playing... Uh, peewee football, popcorn football, and I was all, all alone in the end zone, and I dropped the ball. You know, what do you have, like 12 years old, 11 years old, and the tears are coming down. That was on the game day on Sunday. By by the following day, I had a sticker put on my helmet that said, couldn't catch a cold. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough love. I mean, there's three types of love, soft love, tough love, and crazy love. Yeah. But with Vic... um. I'm just like everybody else at that point in time. Tennis boom. James Van Allen, Vass, V-A-S-S. He invented the tiebreaker. And the tiebreaker put tennis in a time capsule where it could be on TV. Mm. So every the finals used to be on in the summertime. And they were, the, the, the tournaments were on clay because um, 75, 76, and 77, U.S. Open was at Forest Hills. It had changed from the grass and it was on American Hard True. That's where Jimmy Connors, you know, you read that he won the US Open on three different surfaces. Yep. But Vic did these one minute commercials on PBS. There was only three TV stations and there was a fourth. And there was times in mm-hmm. the 70s of the four TV stations, tennis could be on two out of the four. Mm-hmm. It was like boxing boomed in the 50s. So that's that was my first introduction to Vic. And then 77, he, he wrote a book, uh, Tennis for the Future, with... Um, I was a perennial tennis bum of Boca Raton, Florida. I was told if you're going to be a tennis teacher, you have to learn to play. And I, I certainly enjoyed that. I mean, for, I would say that would be the first segment of my tennis career is I was 
a full-fledged tennis bum, mm-hmm. supported myself at night, hit balls all day, but I didn't learn through osmosis. So then I found out the more I read, the more I listened, is you know, that, that's where I have empathy for people that are poorly taught. So I volunteered for the um, Boca Raton Tennis Association, and I went to a mall, and I'm not, as you know, mechanically inclined, or I'm not a, I'm not a techie. <laughs> so I had to um, do it for two days, and it was fantastic. I showed a, a film that was made in 1975, Go for a Winner. Yeah, I love it. Was it. Vic Braden on doubles. So my job was to sit there and watch it, and then re you know rewind the tape and reload the tape. It made me a little bit nervous first, but after I did like the first three or four times, I, I had a little <laughs> you got it. I had a little confidence. <laughs> but um, so I listened to that so many times over a two day period that I said, "I'm in." This guy, I thought this guy was just funny. Yeah, it, Uncle Vic, the short, little, fat, funny guy. Yeah, um, he was to me a professional comedian. But because of that, it wasn't my intellect by any means, it was repetition, is that I, unlike most, I realized that it was not the presentation, it was the information. Yeah. And he was, he was and to, this, to this day, he's way ahead of the curve, even now. I always say there should be a book written, Vic Braden um, is missed because he was such a great, great human mm-hmm. being. But Vic Braden, um, I got it wrong, Vic Braden is missed, Vic Braden was missed, he was missed. Yeah because people just didn't zone in on the information. Yeah. It, I mean, I'm a Vic Braden fanatic and I know you are. May 10th, 1976, Sports Illustrated. And in my house, my parents used to get Time Magazine, Newsweek Magazine, and Sports Illustrated. And believe me, it was a fight on who was gonna have the Sports <laughs> Illustrated. Right. Usually would be reading it with an older brother standing over me, telling me I was such a slow reader. <laughs> but it, uh, May 10th, 1976, and the title of the article was Tennis is in the Stone Ages. And really, it still is. You know, I mean, Vic said this uh, before he passed away. So the internet, I think now is like 30 years old, is so much bad information goes out so fast. Hmm. And I mean, I don't want to be doom and gloom and negative, but are you kidding me? Um, reminds me, my father is a civil engineer and I was watching the tennis on TV with him one time. And I mean, a world-class player, John Newcomb, great charisma. He comes on the screen and he takes the racket and goes, you have to come over the ball. <laughs> and my father says, what do you think? And I, I was having my Braden background by that time. I said, well, what do you think? And he said, the ball hit you in the foot. <laughs> and I said, yeah, exactly. So my father loved golf. So I said to him, who would you rather have help you with your golf game? This is funny. I said, somebody who's like a great technician or Arnold Palmer. He thought about it for a second. He said, Arnold Palmer. (laughs) Exactly. No, I mean, I think that's the truth about coaching, you know, especially at a high level, you got those celebrity coaches and whatnot. Um, But just information, Vic Braden, you know, he took it to the masses, which, you know, I think some people... You know, think that he was away from high performance, although he did a lot of consulting. Um, well, it's funny now. I mean, back in the in the day, um, so I put myself in a position where I was at the Vic Braden Tennis College. That's a funny story too. Is that uh, Tommy Fai, Walla Walla, Washington? Vic loved Tommy Fai. Everybody, he was just such a great on the running court. There was nobody like Tom Fai. Funny guy. So. I'm in the Roosevelt Hotel in New York, New York City, U.S. Open, the Tennis Teachers Conference. And, you know, Balateri, indirectly, I've had a lot to do with Nick as well, 
but you know, because there's so many things that my, my, where my students ended up working for, for Nick. Uh, so Nick is lecturing on forehands and backhands and Tom Fies across the hall, just on the <laughs> other side of the convention room where they had a, a tennis court laid out, half a tennis court. He's raising his hand, raising his hand. And, you know, then later in life, Nick and, and, and Vic became really good friends. At one time, their name was on the same tennis school. Mm-hmm. So Fi kept raising his hand about, you know, the geometry of the court, uh, a Bradenism. This would be appropriate for our first uh, podcast. The dimensions of the court and physical laws dictate stroke production. No coach's opinion or unique theory. Yeah. And, and Volatieri, and if anyone saw his Hall of Fame speech at uh, the... Uh, at the, at the International Tennis Hall of Fame, start off with number 10, goes down to number zero. You know, 10 was um, number of, number 10 number ones, nine was nine lives. You know, eight was um, eight marriages, <laughs> but only seven was seven wives. And he keeps going down and then he gets to uh, uh, zero and he goes, number of books that I've read. <laughs> so there's a lot to be said about Balateri, but he was not an information guy. So he- yeah, great motivator. So he tells Tom Fye, he said, um, you know, I, I didn't even like high school geometry. I skipped class. <laughs> and uh, he goes, I just know angles. So I just knew by the questions Fi was asking that he worked for Braden. I just knew he worked for Braden. So at that time, I had already been to Vic's school for courses, for, for coaches. Mm-hmm. So I went over and, and uh, introduced myself to Tom Fi and said, Hey, you work for Vic Braden. How do you work for Vic Braden? And then he told me how. And I said, well, I've already been through the course. So what I did is I went to the very next one. It was like six months later. But through Tom Fi, um, and I'm not an academic whiz kid, but it was my second time going through it. But I had the highest score on that test. Mm-hmm. They had a 200-question test. So, uh, yeah, I, hockey was a drug when I was growing up. But then tennis teaching, um, Braden information, and it's, it's, it's really something that needs to be resurfaced because facts are facts. I mean, yep. I, was always, I always tell people if you're sitting in Arthur Ashe Stadium and there's uh, 20 seats for 23,000 people, how many people sitting there, they all love tennis uh, to varying degrees, but how many know how long the tennis court is? Yeah. And if you don't know the dimensions of the court and you know, what makes the ball go this way? Uh, yeah, no, I think that's one of our biggest goals it's just to keep keep the torch going, obviously, with, with Vic and some of these other pillars that you've mentioned, Dennis and, and Welby. And we're, you know, starting to do that. Facebook, we, we, you know, we've had a following. You've done that for many years. And now Instagram, YouTube, we're just getting started. So if you're listening at home, you can definitely check out our free content on our website, greatbasetennis.com. And then as well as uh, Instagram, we're posting daily. Facebook, we're posting daily. Over 3,000 posts on Facebook, I believe. And we're just going to keep the ball yeah, rolling. I, know. I think one thing in helping tennis is tennis has become too expensive and tennis teaching is information transfer. Mm-hmm. And it would be great to, uh, and again, it does circle back for me. Uh, when I was 26, you know, Vic Braden, Dennis Vandermeer and Welby Van Horn, you know, their work together. And certainly there, there was others. Um, I think at Don Leary, wrote the teaching pro and he's got the word picture method. So we take his idea, the word picture method, and we take, you know, Braden science, we take Vandermeer progressions, yeah. Van Horn balance, 
and we put it together. And really, the proof's in the pudding. You know, Vic would always say that. You know, the umpire is going to say, "Ready, play." Exactly. And um, I think another sad note: doom and gloom. I understand where college college coaches are recruiting. That makes sense. The word academy, you have to give Nick credit for that. Yeah. You know, he had a military background, and um, I, I went to a boarding school called an academy, and typically that word was not used in tennis. Nick was first, and now everything's an academy. Mm-hmm. Really what kids need is they need a pre-academy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you can't microwave tennis, as I said earlier. And, and But with the great base, um, it's unfortunate we have a large network of coaches and they send us players and you know, someone will be sent to us and they're, you know, they're 15 years old. So the number one thing is prevention of injury. Mm-hmm. They're 15 years old and the light at the end of the tunnel is a train coming right at them. <laughs> I mean, they have a faulty service motion and they, they don't get their racket below the ball on either side. And they only go to the net to pick up balls and shake hands and, um, now, granted, if someone's like top 10 kid in the country and they're ready to sign a quarter of a million dollar scholarship, you know, rightfully so, you can work within that player's game. But, mm-hmm. you know, Vic, and again, you were with him the last part of his life. He did, did so much work with the brain that, you know, really that's what you're doing. The athlete's a biocomputer and they need to be programmed. So the, the great base, ideally, it should be for early childhood development. And when it comes down to, Parents and if they were, if parents were to go through our course, for example, the one it's called uh, Great Base Initiative. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just an hour and a half, um, and then go to work. And when it comes down to you know to a video analysis, an out of body experience, standing in front of a mirror, it's an out of body experience. Mm-hmm. And Vandermeer, Vandermeer was awesome. He was a genius. Trickery, you know. You know, he, you know, he would just say those little buggers, <laughs> you know, when it comes down to having a form tournament, you know, if we had posters of uh, Serena Williams and Roger Federer and these great players in certain positions, because the human eye doesn't see fast enough to, right. to register 24 frames per second related to a camera. So you're giving kids prizes, you're, you're tricking them into, okay, let's play statue. Let's shake hands with a giant. Yeah. And I think it, it's really a crisis where, you know, let's watch someone like, um, you know, Rafael Nadal, such a classy champion with, um, you know, how he's playing at the end of the rainbow. Mm-hmm. You know, he had a two-handed forehand almost all the way through the 12s. Yeah. And, you know, so that's where with YouTube and kids watching and going, well, be, being a copycat, if you go out and watch junior tennis and say, well, I've been here three days, I haven't seen anybody hit an overhead. Um yeah, there's, there's, we, we, we would love to help tennis. And when it comes down to it, to use my name in third person, it's not Steve Smith stuff. Yeah. And, you know, when it comes down to, um, you know, people to say, well, you know, Vic's work is not relevant today. <laughs> I mean, can we Physical agree? laws and the dimensions of the court are the same. Yeah. Can we agree that the tennis court's a rectangle and water runs downhill? And, um, you know, you just think of other sports. Um, you know, we watched that documentary last dance, Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. like from another planet, what an athlete. Yep. But his sport, he had to stand in one place and make the shot. Yeah. And most D1 basketball players, the number is 300, practices over, they have to stay and make 300 shots. Yeah. The managers are quickly returning the balls to them so they can do it and save time and 
go go to the library or wherever they got to do but you know make the shot yep um so the um no i look forward to it with uh podcast number one yeah i mean the importance of a great base it gives you a little bit of our history um, of the great base you know the logo we covered that and the pillars one last thought you know you're talking about michael jordan and, and basics you think of roger federer and i always relate it to um you know kit cars where you know from the outside it may look like a ferrari you know but the engine on the inside you don't really see how that was built and we know that from roger's history you know his mom used to say that he when he took his earliest lessons that he would stay in one place and hit and hold and be there on balance and even when you watch early film of roger you can just see where where the basics were all there but kids try to copy that the way he looks right now after building that engine over the years and they they try to copy it and it's just not the same because yeah for for sure with roger federer adolf kowalski they call him seppi his first coach if you're going to interview someone about roger federer at age eight you need to interview his mother lynette you, you yeah. know what's roger going to tell you he was doing it at age eight exactly that's one thing that certainly helped me is i i, I mean i really was learning tennis as a 19 year old 20 year old starting the game really late um yeah it's in a biography. I think the author is Chris Bowers. I think it's verbatim. You know, Roger's lessons were one hour long. He stood in one place with long follow throughs. Yeah. And yeah. So to go back, uh, why don't you go through uh, Mike Larshide, one of our coaches. Uh, why don't you do that and we can sign off. Yeah, no, I love that um, analogy boards. You know, he talks about, Mike talks about, when you're learning the ABCs that, you know, you really just learn the basic form of the letter A, the letter B, the letter C. And those are, that's your bowl and ice cream. Those are, that's the vanilla, right? Just the, the basics, ABC. And then you learn cursive. So you, okay, it becomes a little more fluid and, and, you know, signature like, but, but still it's easy to see it. You know, you can see it, but it's, it's not quite the block letter. And then you get your signature where, you know, it can be kind of funky and you can kind of catch, you know, the A here or the B there, but you can see it, but it's your own signature. And, and when he relates that to the pro game, I think that's awesome because kids typically try to copy the signature. They, it's hard for them to see, okay, what are the nuts and bolts? What are the real basic ABCs in there? The, the bowl and the ice cream, the nuts and bolts. And I think that's one of our, our goals is to try to get, hey, these are some basic fundamentals. Here's the dimension of the court. Here's physical laws. It's going to work. But oftentimes people you know, get confused about that, but. No, what Mike says is it's unjust. It's unjust. You're, you're talking to these kids that are 10 and under and yeah. you know, they're going to eat it up where you yeah. know, they, they're whiz kids on the, on the YouTube and they can exactly. watch, but misinterpret what someone like say Nadal is doing. Yeah. You know, a couple of years ago I was with JJ Wolf. We had the opportunity to, or he did to, to practice with Roger for a two hour session at Cincinnati. And, Afterward, we got to talk with Roger, and you know, for quite a while, and he was giving JJ advice, and he said, "You know, you want to learn from the best, and I, not just technically, but but all kinds of things, how you prepare and whatnot." But he said, "He said, you know, I'm a difficult person to copy," and so you know, you look at his background with Federer, maybe the greatest player of all time, but you know, his background with skiing and badminton and fine motor skills and all those kind of things, you know, to really just go okay to get his skill. It's a lifetime of different experiences. Oh, um, for sure. Growing, so, up on, growing up in Switzerland and 
in, in playing on red clay. It was mother being an Afrikaner, mm-hmm. you know, Roger Federer. If you read about Roger, um, just so many things. Um, I mean, Roger Federer stories where, you know, he made fun of a girl who couldn't speak Swiss German, a Turkish girl. And his mother made him apologize in writing and orally in Turkish. <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah, for someone like Roger Federer, I mean, I mean, even his, I mean, his wife, uh, who's three years older and, you know, he just read, um, you know, she's the one with the discipline. She was a world class tennis player. until I think it was an ankle injury. Mm. Um, but actually when it comes down to a, a Bradenism, the top players don't say what they do or do what they say. Yeah. Coming back to, um, that analogy, um, with print, right? Print cursive is in your autograph signature. If you want a tennis lesson, go to an instructor. You know, if you want to, you want inspiration, you know, go to a jazz concert. Mm -hmm. You're not going to ask that uh, man or woman on the saxophone that that hits that one note. How how do you do that? Mm -hmm. Um, So there's so many subtleties and nuances at the highest level, but you know, if you study all of sport, you know, the great Lombardi was misinterpreted. Um, you know, winning's not the, winning's not everything. It's the only thing. Well, but also to brilliance, be brilliant with basics. Yeah. And I, you know, you know, John, John Wooden, the basketball coach, you know, I have a film upstairs where it's a very boring film. He's showing kids how to put on a sweat sock. Mm-hmm. No, you know, we're wear two pairs of socks. No one's going to have a blister. Yeah. And he, you know, it's great to read, you know, Mike Walton where, you know, he treated everybody like they were a beginner. You know, we're going to go back to basics. Yep. Um, I mentioned one of my brothers uh, who had a hockey background professionally, being a scout, a coach, general manager in the NHL. There's no difference between peewee hockey and NHL hockey. It's just the speed of the game. A woodenism is uh, the fundamental doesn't change. The speed at which you can execute that fundamental changes. Yeah, I love that. Um, so yeah, um, I think with each of the, um, people I mentioned, there's many, many more too. So we, we have this course, tennis intelligence applied. If people go through that, we want to redo that or plans, as you know, or to redo that. Yep. But just in that course, we mentioned over a hundred coaches. So the great base is not one dimensional and to repeat, it's not Steve Smith stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Thanks again for listening to this very first episode of the Great Base Tennis Podcast. To learn more about the Great Base, please visit our website at greatbasetennis.com and check out our free courses and blog. You can find more tennis information, ideas, and insights on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter at Great Base Tennis. Thanks again. Keep practicing and be sure to tune in next week.